Welcome to London Film Club with me, Arisa Baker, your weekly instalment into all films theatre, all things film, right here in the capital. Here's a quick look at what we have lined up today. Mr. McCarthy shows us how things should be run in The Boss. Michael Moore takes us through a worldly invasion of habitat in Where to Invade Next. And we get transported back to the 1970s with the world-famous psychologist Philip Zimbardo in the Stanford Prison Experiment. And to take us through that massive lineup, I am joined by Editor-in-Chief of Film Blog One Room with a View, Mr. David Brake. Also, Evening Standards cultural journalist Ben Travis. Hello, nice to be here. Today, we are going ladies first with the only lady of the lot, and what a woman she is, Melissa McCarthy in The Boss. Classic Melissa McCarthy, right? Look yeah, at the look on yeah. their face. <laughs> Go on, tell us a bit about the film. What is it about? So well, this is um, Melissa McCarthy starring as uh, Michelle Darnell, a businesswoman who gives all these sorts of big inspirational speeches. She gets done for insider trading, uh, heads off to prison, and when she comes out, she's got to kind of rebuild her life uh, with the help of her former secretary, played by yeah. Kristen Bell, mm. uh, and her young daughter. So it's, uh, it's not very good. <laughs> it's not a great film, well, sorry. Which is sad to report. You because really didn't like it, did you? Yeah, no. it's it's. I wanted it to be good. This is like a, a ninety-minute comedy. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy, people. She's a really likable yeah. person. Melissa McCarthy is a great comedian, and I yeah. think the film does rely upon her a lot because that's the thing. It it does. You go and watch it for Melissa McCarthy. Exactly. Yeah. The redeeming points in the film do come from her, yeah. and there are moments uh, where she just can't help being funny. She yeah. is an inherently funny person and she gives some great line deliveries, but she really doesn't get very much to work with here at all. It's a, do you think no, it's, it's a, the plot or do you well, think it's... it's an odd one because the director is Ben Falcone and he's yeah. uh, Melissa McCarthy's husband, so I think it's a sort of a situation of beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. So he sees Melissa McCarthy doing pratfalls, doing runarounds and it's, oh that's hilarious, that's hilarious, that's hilarious. Yeah. But then when you actually come to stop and think about it, is as terms of characters, it's really all over the place and kind of hollow. But I mean, what that's would what have, I found. What would have saved it for you? Would it have been a different plotline or maybe a different cast? A better I script. A better script and a better defined character as well. This is a plot. I mean, yeah. look at the poster. Yeah. The poster <laughs> it is. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy yeah. is the boss. That is your cell right there. But the character really isn't very well defined. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you look at some... It, as a film, it's a very kind of disparate set of scenes that are just kind of thrown together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gave a plot summary, but there kind of really isn't one. Yeah. Um, and you can, it's films like that can work. This is from Gary Sanchez Productions, which is Will Ferrell's yeah. uh, production yeah. company. And to mention someone like Will Ferrell, you look at something like Anchorman, yeah. which in itself doesn't really have much of a plot. It's kind of loads of scenes thrown together, mm. but it thrives because those characters are really well defined and you know how yeah. they're going to react yeah. in situations. Well, kind of Whereas speaking of this, characters, she, she's working a lot with children in this one, which is quite, I haven't yeah. seen many yes. of that with Melissa McCarthy. But let's have a look at what she said about working with kids. She speaks to children the same way, you know, she would speak to a, a room full of adults. And I kind of, I really loved playing that. I, I felt terrible sometimes filming it. And I would often apologize and say, this is a fictitious character. We would normally not speak like this and don't say what I'm s saying. And I'm sorry to the parents. I think I felt much more, everybody else like, oh, it's fine. I'm like, is it? That's the thing, though. It's a very adult script, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And yes. you have kids. It's a bit discombobulated. I mean, the, the scene with the children, uh, well, the main scene with the children is kind of like this West Side Story mob <laughs> super fight slow-mo thing, yeah. which is actually probably the best scene of the film. 
but it's one of those things like Ben was saying, they're too few and far between. Yeah. So you end up getting a couple of laughs here. But the problem is is that to cover up the character flaws and to cover up the sort of missing parts, they sort of she'll fall down some stairs or yeah. she'll slip on something or she'll say a rude word and that's kind of the joke. Or she'll knock out a small child, which <laughs> yeah. does happen at one point in what is probably yes, the best thing in the film. Yes, it happen. And it's sort of, <laughs> when you think about it, those moments can be funny if there's a better character and a better script it's and everything around it. It's basically too reliant on Melissa McCarthy, I think, essentially. Exactly. Like, that's, if if, if, if you'd remove Melissa McCarthy, this film would be yeah. utter rubbish. Cool. Right, next we join Michael Moore on a mission of invasion in Where to Invade Next. What did you make of that? Uh, a confusing title yeah, because it's, it's not very representative, is no, it? No, and it's one of those films where you think, where to invade next? And the poster has all these military generals. Yeah. So you're thinking, is it a commentary on war and how the America spends on militarily? Yeah. It's not. It's not at all about that. <laughs> it's, it's sort of this sort of Michael Moore goes to all these different European countries yeah. looking at how they do these socioeconomic things better. And it makes for an interesting watch. Yeah, it's actually really enjoyable. Once you get past the first few minutes, which has this strange, confusing yeah. opening, mm. where it is what you see on the poster, it's him with all these kind it of military is, yeah. guys uh, saying, oh, I met with the, with the military, and um, they said that America hasn't won a war in the last oh, several yeah, like decades. 20, 30 years. And then it just kind of weirdly segues from that into his visits to all these different countries. Mm. Yeah. But once you get on with that business, it's actually really funny and uh, it's, quite it's a cool idea. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the key with this film. You go in expecting something completely different from what it is but yeah. sometimes that's not necessarily a bad thing no, I, I mean I expected to hate the film but I loved it <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think with Michael Moore you always get like an entertaining documentary yeah. like it's it's never going to be the most sort of forensic detail well, he's an Oscar winner so he he's is, definitely he good is, at what he does he knows how to put a film together yeah. exactly and this is an, this is a guy who's been making documentaries for over 30 years making another documentary in a Michael Moore way it's not different it's not innovative it's exactly the way Michael Moore makes films yeah. mm -hmm. but didn't you watch it wondering why he chose the countries he did I mean I just wanted to know <laughs> yes <laughs> Why I mean, not all the European countries? Why did you miss out? Very you selective choosing from Mr. Moore there. Uh, like, I'm going to pick the countries that I think are the best <laughs> and not criticise them at all. What, well, yeah. What I did think was quite um, clever was that you expect this to be quite a snarky uh, sort of commentary on, on America, and it does that by being really positive. Yeah. It's a really yes. strange way of yeah. being kind of disparaging about the state, saying, look, these are all the things we're doing yeah. wrong. And instead of doing it in a really moany way, it's here's what everyone else yeah. is doing yeah. right, and then saying, and look what it's Almost like in America. Almost patriotic in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah, but I, the question I had is why not come to the UK? And he actually <laughs> answered that question for us. Yeah, yeah he you told us why you didn't come to the UK. Where? I don't know. We're not. <laughs> because, and I'll tell you why. Because we expected George W. Bush to start that war. That wasn't a surprise. Nobody was surprised that Bush did that. He was able to do it because you, the Brits, under Tony Blair, gave him the cover. You made it possible for him to say, hey, it's not just me. I got Tony Blair here. We're not quite over the damage that this country has done to us and to the world. So to come here and say, hey, let's go to the UK and, and uh, see what we Americans can learn from them. It's like, no, this is a toxic place. This is a place that wants to put young adults in debt. This is a place that wants to create a two-tier medical system. This is a place that that um, has now elected this conservative government and now wants to leave uh, the European Union. I hope I'm not sounding offensive by not saying by saying this. I, I just I just it's a plea for you to be to be Britain. 
But one final question. What we know of, of what the greatness that you've done and the good ideas that you've come up with and um, that. Okay. Well, he seems slightly displeased with us here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's why we didn't make the cut. And he was kind of there, he was again kind of talking about the war and yeah. then trying to segue into the point of the film. I feel yeah. like it's clearer in his head than yeah, it actually is. And I think it's because it. he's doing the positive twists. So yeah. he's, he's got, he's trying to do, it's quite a nice way of doing it, yeah. but it's not the anger of Fahrenheit 9-11 or his, well, or like say Roger and me, which means that the point sometimes gets a little bit focused. So it's just a lot of very nice little case studies about how great Europe is. Yeah. And it never looks at any of the flaws or anything wrong with it. So he does highlight that at one point then. He, he does. does say, listen, I, I'm, pick, I'm not picking the weeds, <laughs> I'm picking the flowers. He does, he does. And I think, I think that's good. So when you're watching it, you wouldn't notice it. You wouldn't really care. You'd just be enjoying a funny guy, looking at funny examples. Yeah. But then it's sort of that point where you leave the cinema and start to think about it, yeah. about how that can affect us. That moment when it does end, though, it does send you out on a high. By the, time, by the end yeah. of watching this, I was, I, I've a, really enjoyed yeah. myself. It's a massively feel-good film. One, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd definitely Absolutely. recommend it. I don't know about you, but... Oh, no, I'd recommend it, because it's just enjoyable. You can't definitely. not enjoy it. <laughs> Next, we are heading deep into the Amazon with Embrace of the Serpent. David, you love, love, love this film. So I think it's only uh, right. <laughs> well, I don't think you've said it enough. I only said love, five love loves when film. I told you earlier. Fine, I will continue. Yeah, so uh, you, no, I so think it's only right you tell us about that's it. Fair, that's fair. So the, the film, it's kind of an interesting, weird one to kind of describe the plot, because it's sort of like living in an enormous dream, but I'll give it a go. Yeah. So basically, it's the story of this Cameron Carter, and we will follow him in two sort of separate timelines, yeah. one when he's a young man and one 40 years later. And he sort of assists both of these tribes, uh, both of these sort of scientists, one from America, one from Holland, to find this magical healing plant. And basically we follow them sort of jumping in between timelines and that's how, that's roughly a fair description. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, these two plot lines, they unfold at the same time in parallel. Mm. Um, and they're both these guys seeking this mysterious flower uh, yeah. in yeah. the Colombian forest. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's a it's a, basically, it's a fascinating film. I absolutely love this. And here's my thing, and it may sound a bit artsy, but one of the things that filmmakers do a lot is they will try and capture what it's like to, like a dream. They'll try yeah. and capture that sense of it. They'll capture the fuzziness and all around it and stuff we can't even imagine. Now, this is what I think is a director, Ciro Guerra, actually capturing a dream, like the actual thing yeah. that you dream. And that's why this film is so incredible, because it's so incredibly well, nuanced. it's an experience. It's such an experience, that's exactly this film it. is. It's properly mesmerising. Like, I was yes. not... I, I've heard great things about this film, but I wasn't massively thrilled at the prospect of it, because, <laughs> because you look at the trailer and you go, right, this is a two-hour Colombian black film. Black and white, subtitles. Black and white, seven subtitles, languages. seven different languages, about a man trying to find a flower. Yeah. And that doesn't sound like the most thrilling watch, but yes. honestly, from the first minute, the, the cinematography and the camera oh. work is really, it's really gorgeous. captivating. Absolutely. And you just, just go okay. In. You get you get the vibe of it instantly, and yes. you just you just go from there. It's, well, uh, the other great point about the film is about the indigenous tribe yes. element of it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk about it, like in this day and age, yeah, about yeah, indigenous yeah. tribes and the lack of representation. But he yeah. does it so well in this yeah. film. And I, I think because obviously the two actors chosen are actually from these tribes, and so he's actually a lot of the script they they actively helped shape the script and the dialogue mm -hmm. and how the sort of uh, scenes were shot. And so you really get a very naturalistic, yeah. very vivid, very, I'd say to a, such a nu nuance, I can't get enough of the word. Yeah. It's such a nuanced way <laughs> nuance. of doing things yeah. that really, it goes well to the cast, but it's the, the director who earns 
Jenkins, all of the kudos in my view. In my view, mm -hmm. sorry. Well, the thing is, I was really curious about how he found the main cast members, yes. and I got to catch up with him yesterday, <laughs> have a little chat, and he told me exactly how how he went about doing that. We invited the communities, nearby communities, to be a part of the film, and everyone was very happy. You know, there was a casting director, and he would take pictures of everyone, and everyone would be really enthusiastic. But uh, in a community near Me Too, the capital of Alpes, where we shot, uh, he went. He, the casting director, did the same thing. He went and he invited people to be a part of it. Everyone was very happy, and everyone had their picture taken. But there was one guy who said, "No, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it." Uh, and his family and his friends, you know, they say, why, you know, we all did it, you have to do it, you know, it's either all of us or none of us. And he said, no, I don't want to do it, I don't want to, but they all insisted so much that he said, all right, but if I do it, I'm going to be the star of the film. <laughs> and so I wasn't there that day, but when I saw the picture, there he was, there John Karamakate, Nilvia Torres. And he was like, you see him, you know, he was un unbelievably strong presence. And it was like a warrior shaman from the past had re-emerged, had come back to life. So I just approached him and said, you know, I think you're right, you're, you're the star of the film. Do you think you're ready? And, he's, and, he, and we started talking about what the film was about, and he said, you know, these are the stories of my ancestors. These are the stories that my grandfather used to tell me about what, the, what, it, what happened during the robbery exploitation. So, and to them, storytelling is very important. So they, yeah. they take it very seriously, so they... So he said, yes, of course, I'll do it. And, and there was no turning back. Outright, one of my favorite stories. Imagine going, like, being presented with a casting director and saying, right, I'm only letting you see me if you make me the star of the show. What a star. <laughs> what a he, he owns what this film. Star. I mean, both of the Karamakates, the old and the young, yeah. are extraordinarily good. And it's just, all of it, it's so good. It's, and it's like we were saying, it's like an experience. This is one of the most cinematic experiences you'll see. It is, a, I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, I think the it, thing as well is, is like, you were mentioning about um, the way they found the actors and it's mm. about, he's like the last of his tribe and mm. you feel like, I, I'm not up on my uh, Colombian indigenous tribes or, or knowledge of the rainforest, but, but you feel it, like you were seeing. It's a passion project you, and yeah. you can really feel that from him. Yeah. And with his description of the, of the young actor, he's not an actor, it's his real life mm. and you really no. get that. I, but So that, that all relies upon the director, like I was saying, that yeah. it, takes a, it takes an extremely good director mm -hmm. to not only handle all of these sort of uh, sort of areas and history yeah. and all the and this sort of such a sizable story and you can handle yeah. he can handle it and exactly. that's why he deserves so much. And he, credit. he was so passionate even when I met him. He had so much more to say about the film and you can catch the rest of that interview online. Just make sure you go onto the website and catch that. Right? I would. Fine. we all would. <laughs> Just saying. Finally we come to Zimbardo. If you have studied or read about psychology at any point of your life, then you have most definitely come across the story of Zimbardo and that prison experiment. And this film is a recount of that exact study. It's called the Stanford Prison Experiment. Well, this is a, a recount of like real life events. Yes. Yes. So do you think they went about it the right way? They've made a feature film about it. Yes. Well, we differ. Well, we differ. We, we differ. I, I really enjoyed this film, actually. I think it's a really, it's a topic that can't not be interesting. Yeah. Like, there is yeah. an inherent fascination with, with the study and with what happened. And I think the best thing about it is that it gives a real kind of blow-by-blow -blow analysis of this is what happened during the experiment across those six yeah. days. This is how things spiralled out of yeah. control. And that is great, but it left me with a lot of questions yeah. afterwards. Because the, the study 
it, it makes you question things a lot. It makes makes you question what See, these guys went through and whether it was worth it and what Zimbardo was actually looking for. Yeah. That's a question yeah. that's raised well, in the film. See, what's I, the point? I like the ambiguity. And this is where I think it's like, I like this the fact that it comes to a huge pressure cooker. You know, it builds and builds and builds yeah. and builds and builds and builds, like the tagline suggests that, you know, it's supposed to last two weeks, they yeah. lasted six days. And it builds and builds and builds. And I think that ambiguity really lends the film that sort of edge that gives it something that elevates it above, say, yeah. a normal film. See, whereas for me, I enjoyed seeing what happened. I loved seeing what happened in those six days. Yeah. But by the end of it, I wanted an extra half an hour of saying, this was the fallout, this is... Because the prisoners go through some horrible oh. things and the, the security guards, they probably learn things about themselves that they didn't know. And you want to hear the fallout of, of, of kind of what happened to those guys and what happened to Zimbardo as well, because he's portrayed in a very strange yeah. light here. He's endorsed the film, um, but all the way through it, you're like, this guy is doing this study that's like pretty yeah, horrible and intense. And it, his, his moral motives are really under question. The, the whole thing about power of, of the guards and the prisoners is also the power of him over the experiment because he, he does have the power to pull the, pl the plug and it goes a long way yeah. before that's it does that. That's the thing, that. you start but off watching it thinking it's about one thing, but then it turns out being about exactly. another. See, that's mm -hmm. the thing, where we never know where, where Zimbardo lies on the sort of angel-demon scale. Like, he often will say, this study is going to do some good, and, you know, he sort of gets lost in the jungle a little bit about what is good and what is bad and where the moral sort of line lies, you yeah. know. I think I, what I would have wanted is a documentary where you see, you still see what happens, but you see people analysing it. You see p people saying, look, this is the good yeah. that came from the study, but these were the problems with it. This is what it meant for Zimbardo's reputation. This is what happened to the guys who were in the experiment. This yeah. is what they thought. Because you have all those questions while you're watching it. You're looking at it going, how did this happen? And, and so what happened well, next? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's the argument between feature film or documentary. Yeah. I have yeah. to say, I'm with David on this one. I think mm -hmm. the feature film... One point for David. <laughs> Not that we're keeping scores, but I'm winning. Well, unfortunately, um, that's it for today's okay, show. But me and David will be back next week with a brand new lineup. But for now, have a great evening.